0: Everybody. Welcome to episode number 108 of the Between the Cracks podcast. I am your host, Bill, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Chris. <laughs> now, Chris, I know I promised you we were headed back to the States this week, but, bud, that's going to have to wait a week because we found a story here in the UK that is simply out of this world. Silence, Batman. I say, Chris!
1: And by out of this world, we mean the Isle of (laughs) Wight.
0: Yeah, and uh, by out of this world, we may very well mean an extraterrestrial being, an alien of some sort, if you will. We don't really know, Chris. As of today, nearly five decades later, this story still remains quite the mystery. And there are plenty of... A theories abound as to who and or what this thing actually is. And I have a couple of surprise theories of my own that I'm going to throw at you at the end that I think are going to blow your mind. So, Chris, I think it's time we get right into it. Tonight, we are going to be discussing the one and only Sam the Sandown Clown. So, before we get into who Sam was, or is, hopefully he's still with us, we don't know, Chris. (laughs) Because nobody's seen him since 1973. But, uh, bud, like I say each and every week, and I'm sure everybody's getting sick and tired of hearing it, we need to go backwards in order to go forward. Sam, the Sandown Clown. Chris, take us back to the beginning.
1: Thanks, Bill. We're going to have to go all the way back to May of 1973. Uh, The location? Lake Common, which is near Sandown in the Isle of Wight, which is part of the UK. This is the backdrop for where two children come across the infamous Sam the Sandown Clown. Around 4 o'clock on this fine May day of 1973, a boy and a girl, uh, all that we know is that they were both the age of seven and that the girl's name was Faye, the boy is unnamed, they both hear a strange noise while they're playing near Lake Common. They are uh, located somewhere between the Shanklin and Sandown Golf Club, which is actually now currently known as the Isle of Wight and Sandown Airport. The sound that they described hearing was, in quotes, weird wailing noises. Uh, I'm not talking about uh, no beached whale. I'm talking about wailing, like crying sounds, or maybe that perhaps of an ambulance siren. The children begin to follow the sound, which is exactly the last thing you should probably do in this situation, (laughs) looking to find out what it is and where it's coming from. But suddenly the sound
0: stops. Well, let's not be too hard on the children, Chris. I mean, remember, children are inquisitive. So they, they hear something that uh, they probably have not heard before, something that catches their interest, and uh, they, they begin to follow it. And it's that inquisitive nature that leads them through these back grassy fields. More importantly, we need to remember that this is the early 70s. So <laughs> from the 70s and 80s into the 90s, parental supervision was at a minimum. And was that ever the case in this tale? But Chris, uh, let me ask you this. Once they were able to get a trail on that sound, what did they discover?
1: Well, as they began walking further and further, they come across a small meadow, which is where it appeared the sound had uh, stopped. So they continued on exploring, and that brought them to a wooden footbridge, which crossed over a brook. As they head towards it, they reportedly spot what looks like a hand wearing a blue glove emerge from under the bridge. Now, I don't know about you, but if I saw that, uh, that would be it for me. I would be history.
0: (laughs) If I saw anybody roaming along in the woods and they caught me off guard, (laughs) that would be the end of me, Chris. (laughs) Or them. Yes. (laughs) Pick your poison. But uh, we should mention that They didn't see his whole body right away because, and correct me if I'm wrong, the first thing that they saw was his hand as it was coming up from below this wooden bridge that you spoke of. And what they had noticed is that the hand itself had on a blue glove, but get this, it only had three fingers. (laughs) Ah... And I'm gone. Hey, let me tell you something. If I see a hand coming out at me from underneath the little bridge, and not to mention if it's some deformed claw, Grissa, uh, we're going to have a problem on our hands. <laughs> Especially if it's in kicking range. I will stomp on that thing. <laughs> well, uh, at that point, we do find out that this is indeed Sam the Sandown Clown. The children see him, and he is kind of fumbling this little book he has, and the book is ends up falling into uh, the water that he's standing in, the little creek, and he's able to retrieve it. He walks out from under the bridge area and reveals himself. With that said, Chris, I'm going to ask you, can you describe to the fine people out in podcast land what exactly you see when you see the depiction of Sam the Sandown Clown?
1: Looking at the depiction, it it kind of looks like one of those old... Movies where they kind of make a robot. It's got, like, little antenna on the head, but the head's kind of, like, cone-shaped. It's holding a microphone in its hand attached to what, uh, we don't really know, but this, some sort of, I guess, futuristic-looking device for that time.
0: I I believe they called that a flex, and it was kind of like an amplifier, so it can kind of, he could kind of throw his voice or, or speak at a louder tone.
1: Well... Perhaps this is where all the wailing sounds are indeed coming from. It has a human figure, but there's it's not human-looking. The face is not human-looking at all. It, 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 it like I said, it's that of like a robot.
0: To me, when I'm looking at it, <laughs> he kind of looks like a mix between the scarecrow and the Tin Man from The Wizard <laughs> of Oz, doesn't it? It's, it's like a perfect. It's like if those two had a child, this is what it would look like. I see it. I see it. So, basically, what we're looking at, and this is according to the two children, Faye and her unnamed friend, and we'll just call him no-name, Sam stood about seven feet tall. So, right off the bat, that's pretty shocking. If you're not courtside at an NBA game, seeing a seven-foot individual in person is quite, um, quite...
1: (laughs) Yeah. I know you're stumbling over your words, but so you better be careful what you say.
0: <laughs> Quite um, interesting to see. It's something you don't see every day. So you can remove your hand from the alarm, Chris.
1: <laughs> it ain't over yet.
0: <laughs> so anyway, Sam's about seven feet tall. And as you said, he's holding this microphone that is connected to what they call a flex or some kind of amplification system in which he's able to talk through I know you said he had a cone-shaped head, but apparently that's a hat. Because later on, we find out that he does indeed remove that. And (laughs) what's under it is quite chilling itself. But uh, he has this yellow cone-shaped hat on his head with two antenna, as you said. And also, it's noted from the children, but you can't really see from this depiction here, that apparently Sam had uh, wood sticking out from beneath the sleeves in his shirt. And wood sticking out of the bottom of his pants. So, uh, that makes you scratch your head. <laughs> what what the hell is going on here? But, Chris, that's not even the most alarming part. Let's go focus on old Sammy's face for a second. Because uh, I'm looking at it, and uh, I'm seeing a set of triangle eyes, much like you see on a jack-o'-lantern. Uh, I'm seeing a rectangular nose and two kind of circular button-shaped cheeks. It looks like a set of buttons <laughs> resting on his face. <laughs> and in addition to that, he has a, a mouth that does not move, mind you, with a set of yellow lips. And like you, Chris, he has red hair because he has a little bit of red hair emerging from the top. Oh, that yellow hat. That's what they described. And that's exactly what it is that was standing in front of them.
1: When you mentioned that The mouth doesn't move, which actually leads us to believe, and perhaps even the children, that this was, in fact, a mask on somebody. uh, Because the eyes and the mouth are not moving, but there is sound coming out of this thing.
0: It it reminds me, and remember, we're in the 70s here, it reminds me of those Halloween costumes, those cheap Halloween costumes that were very popular in the 70s and 80s. You know, they had, like, the Hulk or some shit, or Spider-Man. And it was just a mask where it had the slit for the eyes and a little slit for the uh, mouth. You can talk, but nothing moves. You know, it's just very, it's just very cheap looking. It's just a cheap piece of plastic with a rubber band uh, to hold it on your face. And that's kind of the impression I'm getting as far as what this face might have been. There's definitely something beneath this face. This Sam is not revealing his true identity, which (laughs) makes this all the more eerie.
1: Mind you, also, uh, one of the things that was noted, that this thing has no neck. It's apparently just a head on some shoulders.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, let's not judge him. Maybe he needs to lose some weight, but I'm sure there is a neck there. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not perfect. So there you have it. That's what we're dealing with. That's the description that little Faye and her friend gave us. And who the hell are we to argue with them? That's what Sam looks like, okay? And that's what we're going with. So Sam stands there in front of them. They're looking at him. You know, there's there's a little face-off. Nobody knows what the hell to say at this point. So Sam begins to take off. He's going back to his uh, quote-unquote home because nearby we find out that there is indeed a little metal hut. And the kids noted as Sam walked off, he didn't walk like a normal human being would. Apparently, he kind of hopped almost like uh, a rabbit or, or or more so like an astronaut. of a gravity defying hops so you couple that with this costume that this thing is wearing i think it's safe to say that sam is anything but a clown
1: so now the uh kids have uh sized up old sam they figured uh yeah this is really not the place to stick around so uh (laughs) we're gonna
0: take off (laughs) let's get the hell out of here unnamed boy
1: They're probably making about 50 yards or far. all of a sudden that wailing noise reappears. And, uh, well, that piques their interest.
0: Yeah, and this time Sam puts that little microphone to use. He begins speaking to her through this, uh, little microphone that he has. And he says, Hello, are you still there? I guess Sam's eyesight isn't so great because they were standing right in front of him. But anyway, they decide to approach even closer. It's at that point that they saw that he could speak without help from this microphone. But as we mentioned before, his lips did not move. Oh my God. That's terrifying. <laughs> so we have
1: this thing, unidentified still. While it can speak, it's not very clear. So, what it also has with it, is this notebook, and it has a writing implement. He's apparently trying to communicate with the kids with this as well. But when he writes the words out, they're not structured like a normal sentence. So it's kind of like they're, you know, they're all rearranged. They're they're not in the right order. So apparently, what the kids are able to make out, or at least what Faye is making out at this point, I'm pretty sure No Name Boy is is really not interested. But uh, nonetheless, uh, Faye uh, <laughs> is pushing forward here. And she makes out that what Sam has written down was, Hello, and I am all colors, Sam.
0: What the uh. hell does that mean? Oh.
1: <laughs> Very good question. Perhaps uh, maybe that he's just made up of a bunch of colors. Uh, I'm not really sure. He, uh, he is uh, quite colored up, though, I will say. He's got the blue the yellow, the green, much like a clown would be uh, dressed up.
0: Yeah, it almost sounds like he's trying to explain who he is, but he doesn't know how to in a way, right? It's kind of a weird thing to say. It doesn't make much sense. It's almost like, you know, it, when you're traveling abroad and you're trying to speak the language, and, but you really don't have a good grasp of it. So everything's kind of like out of order and you're using words that don't make sense or not in their proper form. That's exactly what it sounds like is going on here. Well, the
1: conversation continues on after this. The first question they ask is, basically, are you a man? And he apparently laughed uh, in reply, saying no. So then they ask, well, are you a ghost? And he says, well, not really, but I am in an odd sort of way. So then they say, well, what are you then? And he replies, you know.
0: Oh, I, I don't like that.
1: <laughs> the fuck I do, Sam? <laughs> I don't like that one bit, uh, <laughs> What is it exactly that you're insinuating here?
0: Seriously, I, I mean, can you make heads and tails of this? What, what would the insinuation be? Kind of like a ghost in an odd sort of way. Uh, an apparition?
1: Or perhaps even a figment of your imagination, because... What I get from the you know, it's almost as like as if you should know who I am, because...
0: <laughs> you made me up.
1: You made me up, maybe, yeah. Uh Ooh, I like um, that. But we don't know. So the kids are now next to Sam and his hut here, and they get invited into the hut by Sam. Now, what would your first instinct be upon getting invited inside this uh, tin hut?
0: Well, uh, there's no chance in hell I would ever go in the little tin hut there. But uh, we should note, Chris, that uh, the reason that they did go inside this hut is because they began to trust Sam. Because he actually said that he's very fearful of humans. And if he were to be attacked by human beings, that he would indeed not fight back. So he seems very docile and somewhat fragile, So maybe that is what kind of compelled the kids to trust him enough to go into his place. But nonetheless, F that. Because sometimes the people that seem the most innocent are indeed the most dangerous.
1: I don't buy Sam's bit for one second. So nonetheless, he invites these kids into this little hut that's made of metal. Now, are are we to believe that this is perhaps some sort of spaceship of some sort? The walls are covered... With this blue and green print,
0: it has an electric heater in it. <laughs> Very convenient. Uh, where, where's the electricity coming from?
1: <laughs> Very good question. And it also has furniture made of wood. Now, inside the hut, Sam kind of shares with the kids uh, you know, what he eats, and drinks, I guess, uh, t- to stay alive. And he <laughs> mentions that uh, his diet is has been berries, and he drinks water from the river, which we assume he can clean somehow, because surely Sam cannot digest uh, water that's not potable.
0: Well, uh, he does mention, I believe, that he does put the water through some kind of purification process and (laughs) what that process is, we don't know. And for the sake of this tale, we really don't give a shit. So Chris, uh, more importantly, what we want to focus on is the uh, (laughs) process in which uh, Sam eats, because remember we said that the mouth itself doesn't move. So without the ability to chew, I'm assuming any food that's being consumed would indeed uh, be some kind of choking hazard. (laughs)
1: true indeed so how does it uh sam actually eat food
0: Uh, i'm glad you asked that chris because this is part of the story here that i find very interesting apparently he takes uh one of the aforementioned berries that he gathers and instead of putting it in his mouth (laughs) as a, a normal human being clown or alien would do but remember we said uh sam's mouth doesn't move so The mouth is certainly not the way that he's going to be consuming any food unless he wanted to die. So at this point, Sam decides to demonstrate to the children how he eats. So he takes one of his little berries there and puts it in his ear. (laughs) That's right, Chris, inside of his ear. And at that point, uh, like a little pinball, it rolls down into his eye. He thrusts his head forward, then backwards. And then I'm assuming the berry makes its way down Sam's esophagus and into his digestive tract. But as we all know, Chris, what goes in must come out. Am I right? Berry boy.
1: (laughs) Well, that seems to be the million-dollar question, huh? Where is Sam's exhaust system?
0: Where is that berry? Well, Chris, uh, apparently uh, one report states that uh, at that point, (laughs) Sam bends over in a very aggressive manner. And uh, the berry shoots right out of his ass at the speed of light, sending it back into orbit from which it came. Chris, I am joking that is not part of our fable tonight. Uh, No, the the berry did not shoot out of Sam's ass. Apparently, it just went in through his ear, into his eye, and down his throat. And (laughs) thus ends the legend of the berry.
1: (laughs) But uh, still, uh, not the average way to consume food. So after this uh, lovely meeting here and Sam showing the kids where he resides, the meeting ends after about a half an hour. And they exit the hut and begin heading back to uh, what is told to us to tell the nearest adult what they had seen. Now, uh, that is probably the thing you should have done when you first noticed, Sam. Self-destruct sequence activated.
0: Apparently, according to uh, the kids, they said that there were a couple of guys working in the field nearby, but they claimed they didn't see anything. So at this point, Chris, that ends the children's interactions with Sam, the Sandown Clown. As far as we know, as of today, in the year 2023, he's never been seen nor heard from again. Again? <laughs> but, uh, Bud, fast forward five years later to 1978. That's right, this story, as we mentioned, happened in '73. But it didn't make its way to the general public's knowledge until five years later. And uh, you may ask, how did the hell that happen? Well, the story was released in a journal entitled Bufora, which stands for the British UFO Research Association. And they released an article in their January-February issue in 1978, like I said, entitled... Ghost or Spaceman 73. The article consists of statements and experiences from a gentleman who goes by the name of Mr. Y. And obviously that's not his real name. He uses that as a pseudonym so he can stay unidentified. But we do find out, Chris, that Mr. Y has some form of relationship to Faye, doesn't he?
1: Oh indeed <laughs> Mr. Y is in fact Faye's Fajere So of course Faye as we mentioned before told her father what she had seen and uh, Mr. Y, her father says that he finds that this daughter's report is difficult to believe and ultimately arrives at a different conclusion and he says that he got the impression that Faye was somehow taken into a bubble of alien reality created by this strange personage.
0: Now, when he's saying bubble, is he just referencing the hut? Or is there some kind of transparent bubble that was out in the field as well?
1: Well, I'm going to assume he means outside of that because the kids encounter Sam outside of the hut and they first identify this humanoid. then. So perhaps he's implying that as soon as they had set foot within a certain distance of this hut, That there was a bubble that changes your reality. And and what they were seeing was what the alien wanted them to see. But that was just one theory.
0: You're right. But uh, I I wanted to uh, make note of this, Chris. It seems that Mr. Y, Faye's dad, also has somewhat of an interest in the extraterrestrial lifestyle. Doesn't he? Yes.
1: He actually mentions that he had not one but two encounters.
0: Tell me more.
1: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on October 20th, 1970 to be exact, which takes place not too far before Faye's encounter, he reportedly witnesses a UFO while he's driving from Shanklin to Ride. Then, while perched on a cliff in Compton Bay on March 1st of 1972, which is now a mere one year before Faye's sighting, he sees what he describes as two yellow points of light, and I quote, peering up at me from just below the ocean's surface, like eyes of some horrible sea monster.
0: Hmm. Perhaps it's Nellie making her way down from uh, Loch Ness. (laughs) Nonetheless,
1: Very interesting sightings,
0: indeed. Indeed, indeed. But we should know, Chris, that uh, Mr. Y kept these stories to himself as well. He never revealed this to any new source prior to this article in uh, Before our Journal. So it makes me wonder, you know, if he says that he had such vivid interactions with these alien-like creatures... Why keep it to yourself? Or more importantly, why wait until you tell the story of Sam the Sandown Clown? It's almost as if he's trying to validate Faye's story by saying that he's has seen very bizarre happenings in that same area. Interesting. Go on. I'm getting the impression that, and I could be very wrong here, perhaps Mr. Y... Kind of used the power of suggestion with young Fei by kind of leading her down the path of this story. This is just one of my theories. Perhaps this isn't Faye's story. Perhaps this is Mister Wise's tale. Hmm.
1: So you think that perhaps he has kind of fed her imagination here and kind of led her on this tell
0: I don't know if that's the case but I thought about it and that is indeed one of the theories that I have listed here but as I said that's just one of them I have quite a few here and all of them are very <laughs> unnerving
1: I think you're right here I think there's something with her father and this thing
0: I even thought that it was possible, and remember we said that this would look like just kind of a ragtag type of costume. So that made me think, maybe perhaps, just perhaps here, I'm not saying it is, I'm not making any accusations, maybe it was the dad in that costume, wearing some form of stilts and mask and whatnot, and doing some bizarre trick with the berry there. You know, we don't know. Maybe he wanted Faye to come across this so that she would have this story and then therefore create this legend and use that as a way to validate his two encounters. Maybe he didn't think they were interesting enough to garner a lot of attention, but this certainly would be, especially the fact that it's involving children. Chris, what would you say if I told you that Sam... The Sandown Clown was indeed FaZe Patpa.
1: I I think this is a more realistic scenario here. Like you mentioned, because of this weird mask looking thing and the tin hut that had furniture in it, and let's not forget that he had an electric heater in there, it sounds to me more and more like this was built to either the daughter into thinking aliens were real and just playing around with her imagination It just to me there's too many humanistic parts about this you're, you're also talking about a seven-year-old's perspective on the matter the fact that he was seven feet tall I think is exaggerated by the daughter because she is seven years old she probably thinks this thing was so big that it was seven feet tall which I think was not accurate so I, I think you're right I think this is probably her father
0: Hmm. That kind of creeps me out. I don't like it. Uh, I I don't like it. I I may even find that a little bit creepier than if this was indeed an alien. Which means
1: old Mr. Y had a berry bopping around in his head.
0: (laughs) And it shot out of his ass, as we noted, Chris. Uh, But I I don't know, man. I, I find that very disturbing if that was indeed the case. It's just one of our theories. But uh, what made me think that is just because of the costume itself. I mean, it was just so cheaply made and kind of just put together on, on a whim or so it seems. But uh, we should note that at one point inside the, the little hut there, the Faye and uh, unnamed boy said that they saw Sam remove his hat and apparently had uh, brown hair, but which kind of like sporadic, like which I guess they mean balding. And he's white hole-like ears, which, again, could have been part of a costume. But that would make me wonder, maybe Mr. Y was a balding man. And that's what they saw. Because remember, they said they saw orange hair sticking out of the front of the hat. But then when he removed his hat, now they see thinning brown hair.
1: And also, thinking back to uh, Sam's responses to uh, what he was, he says, you know... And perhaps they very well did know who it was.
0: Mm, Very good point. I mean, this is all kind of making sense now. So uh, right now I have, for my theories, I have that this may indeed be Mr. Y in first place for my most believable theory. I just want to run a few more past you. Um, Our other one was that indeed, maybe this was an alien. I'm not really buying that one. Uh, I know that you're really not buying that either. But another one that we talked about before we started the show was the possibility of this being a shared delusion. Now, we are familiar with shared delusions because that was a topic of our very first BTC episode. The one that I had to hide behind a paywall because it's so terrible. So if you become one of our patrons, that is the only way you can listen to it. Uh, so It just saves us on the embarrassment of how terrible you were. But anyway, Chris, that was the tale of the Erickson twins. And remember them? they also suffered from a shared psychosis or a shared delusion.
1: They're not the only one either.
0: No, it, those twins too, the the, the silent yeah. twins. So, I mean, this is something that is definitely out there. It's definitely a, a, it's definitely a psychological disorder. In my eyes, that too would be more of a possibility than this being an alien.
1: Yeah, I, I think there is something here to do with Delusions, or with the father those are definitely the most believable scenarios
0: yeah and uh unfortunately i have one more dude and this is probably the grossest one and the most disturbing one perhaps perhaps this was some kind of pedo some kind of kitty fiddler lurking in the woods trying to Be like a clown, like he said, or a robot trying to entice the kids, trying to lure them into his place. But maybe once they were in there, he kind of got scared and backed off. Because remember, Faye said that there were two men working nearby. We got to call a spade a spade. We got to look down every avenue. I mean, in my eyes, that's definitely a possibility. Just some weirdo lurking in the woods.
1: That is definitely the most disturbing of the scenarios here. I... I... And... Honestly, we know that anything is, like you said, possible, and there is some fucked people out there. Yeah, that's that's creepy.
0: Yeah, like I said, none of these are good. But, I mean, out of all the theories here, aliens, shared delusions, kitty fiddlers, dear old dad, or the fact that this is just completely made up and it's a bullshit story. Uh, I'm looking at all these, Chris, and I have to go with my gut here. I do indeed believe that Sam was Faye's
1: father yeah i i do agree with you and i i think it definitely was somebody that Faye knows and because we know that her father also had uh, a couple of encounters uh so he says with aliens i think there's definitely a connection here with him trying to make her believe the same and was kind of like playing around with her and dressing up like a like an alien
0: so there you have it Chris on the 50th anniversary of this story making headlines the boys at BTC finally solved it who would have guessed don't we always <laughs> but Chris that's it man that is the story of Sam the sand down clown now bud I promise you next week we will indeed be heading back to the great United States oh America
1: Oh, I've heard that one
0: before. <laughs> Chris, please stick to the script. Let's get the hell out of here for the night. If you, no, if you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us at btcpod2020 at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch with us on Instagram at the Between the Cracks podcast. Uh, also, like I said last week, we have a new merch shop on Public. I will include the link for that in the show notes as well if you would like to become one of our lovely patrons please click on the link in the show notes i will also be putting the articles that we use for our research in the show notes as well and you can do a little extra uh, snooping through those articles yourself because i'm sure there's something we missed so uh chris <laughs> without any further ado what do you say we wish to find fine people out in podcast land the fondest oh a fair <laughs> no, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, not bad. Yeah, that wasn't too bad. <clears throat> I'll have a little work to do, but I mean, we'll just say fuck this shit.